Good morning, Orlando. Tuesday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome aboard here at 6 o'clock for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, President Trump says the State of the Union speech will be good, and Joe Biden is undecided on a presidential bid. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. We'll preview the State of the Union. We'll dive into the demise of McCabe and the release of the memo all in the first half hour of a power-packed edition of Good Morning Orlando. And good Tuesday morning at 6.02 on News Radio 1025. President Trump thinks that tonight's State of the Union address will be a good one. At the White House yesterday, Trump said it would be a big and important speech that'll cover a lot of territory. The State of the Union address is set for around 9 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time. Trump plans to talk about immigration reform, the strong economy, and the big Republican tax cut bill that he signed last month. He said that he'll also talk about making trade deals more fair. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 p.m. through 8 uh, through 8 p.m. with Beyond Reason with Mike Yaffe. Then from 8 to 9 o'clock, Fox News Radio will cover uh, pre-speech coverage. And then starting at about 9 till about 10 o'clock tonight, we'll cover the speech afterwards. Fox News Radio will have their post-speech coverage. Uh, by the way, if you were looking to hear the Gators at Georgia basketball game, that will be broadcast now on our sister station, 96.9 The Game. Airtime is set for 625 this evening. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The House Intelligence Committee is approving the release of a classified memo reportedly detailing abuses of FBI surveillance. President Trump now has five days to consider the panel's decision. Yesterday's vote was along party lines, with the Republican majority voting in favor of its release. Republicans also voted against releasing an opposing Democratic report on the same topic. The memo reportedly outlines a surveillance program used to gather intelligence on the Trump campaign in regards to the Russia investigation. Meanwhile, Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is out at the FBI. McCabe became acting director after President Trump fired FBI Chief James Comey last year. McCabe will step down as uh, will step as serving deputy director immediately, but will remain on the FBI payroll until mid-March when he can retire with full benefits. A report said FBI Director Chris Wray threatened to resign recently after being pushed by Attorney General Jeff Sessions to fire McCabe. The White House has dismissed that story. And we'll get into it in a moment, but it seems that the demise of McCabe at the FBI is tied in with the FBI director and what he saw in that memo that the Republicans want released. We'll we'll tie it all together in a moment as best we can. There are so many loose ends on this thing, Deb, it makes my head hurt, but we'll get into it. <laughs> Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie reportedly has a new gig lined up. The New York Post reports Christie will join ABC News as an on-air contributor. He's expected to make his debut on Good Morning America this morning and will offer commentary for ABC during its coverage of the President's State of the Union address. In other news, former Vice President Joe Biden says he doesn't know right now whether he'll make a run at the White House in 2020. During an appearance in Orlando last night, he said, quote, maybe a year from now I'll decide I'm the best single person to do it and I'll go do it, end quote. The Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts was the latest stop on Biden's American Promise Tour, a follow-up to his book about the loss of a son, Beau, to brain cancer and how he and his family dealt with it. As for President Trump, Biden said he's concerned that, quote, the invisible moral fabric of decency, honesty, and not having any tolerance for hate has been ripped, end quote.
A rocket launch is scheduled for later today at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, but weather could be an issue. SpaceX's Falcon 9 is on the pad at Launch Complex 40 with a European communications satellite on board. A more than two-hour launch window opens at 425 this afternoon. However, gusty winds are in the forecast, no rain, and there's only a 40% chance of acceptable weather conditions. And finally, a Houston police officer who helped hundreds of people during Tropical Storm Harvey is on his way to the Super Bowl. Officer Norbert Ramon worked 12-hour shifts in the floodwaters while battling stage 4 colon cancer. Courtesy of Papa John's, the 55-year-old officer received tickets to the big game on Monday. It's just the latest athletic highlight for the 24-year HPD veteran. Last October, Academy Sports and Outdoors gave Officer Ramon tickets to Game 4 of the World Series. See, kids? It pays to be a good Samaritan. It's a great story, Deb. really is. <laughs> WFLA News Time at 6.06. Read about the Cleveland Indians about to ax Chief Wahoo in 2019 at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Deb. So much to do, so little time. So let's dive into it. In this half hour, we'll preview the State of the Union, give you some thoughts on how I think this is going to play tonight. Also talk about a a local police officer who's going to be a very special guest there tonight who will be on our show tomorrow morning, by the way. We're going to get into this thing with McCabe and that memo that Deb set the table for so well as always just a moment ago. That's where we begin. It's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. First up, your first opportunity of the day to make your wallet great again with our texting contest coming right up. Listen closely for the key word of this hour, then text that word to 200-200. You could win a thousand bucks. Good luck on that. Stay tuned for the keyword, then an update, of course, on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in only two minutes. I'll have that for you right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Palace intrigue, lots of mystery surrounding the contents of this four page memo that the House Intelligence Committee, controlled, of course, by the Republicans, last night voted to release. This is a classified memo circulating in Congress, seen by only a few, that purports to reveal government surveillance abuses. And and within the FBI, multiple cases of bias against Trump. President Trump's got five days now under the rules to decide whether he has any objections to the content of the memo, and, and, and many believe he wants the thing out there ASAP. Um, so five, in the next five days, we're going to know whether this thing sees the light of day, and I have no doubt that it will. The president thinks that it is going to get him off the hook on some of the things that are charged against him, um, that senior officials in the Russia probe harbor bias against the president. He has claimed that. He believes the memo backs him up on that. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he released the memo tomorrow after the State of the Union or if he really, really wants to shake them up on Capitol Hill and across the land, get the memo out there today. It wouldn't surprise me if the president did that. Uh, He's in your face. He is fearless. And he is furious over this whole Russia 
escapade and bias within agencies of the government within the deep state. In this case, we're talking about the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And it's very clear, I think, to anybody with half a brain that the firing is exactly what it was of Deputy FBI Director McCabe yesterday is directly linked to FBI Director Christopher Wray, who made a special trip to Capitol Hill on Sunday and read the four-page memo that the House Intel Committee has now said they're going to release. They voted to do that. There was something in there about McCabe that I think triggered Ray to say this longtime worker in the FBI who rose to acting FBI director at one point after the firing of Comey, you'll recall, that there is something in here that makes makes him look really bad, McCabe, and by extension makes the Federal Bureau of Investigation look bad. Um, again, we don't have firm news on exactly what is in the four-page memo, but Trey Gowdy, um, the great former federal prosecutor and now Republican lawmaker in the House from South Carolina, suggests the memo and addresses whether the FBI relied at least in part on that that um, unverified Trump dossier compiled by a guy in British intel and made available and used by the by the Hillary Clinton campaign to try and spread uh, dirt during the campaign to discredit President Trump's candidacy. This whole thing was paid in part by the Democrats and the Clinton campaign during the 2016 election cycle. And um, Gowdy is telegraphing that among the things that are in the four-page memo um, are improprieties by the FBI on on obtaining surveillance warrants purportedly on then-Trump advisor Carter Page. There may be other um, uh, people in the Trump campaign who've come and gone who are, uh, uh, are shown to have been abused uh, within this memo by what it contains. Anyway, it is, it's, uh, it's complicated, and as I say, it kind of makes my head hurt. But Yaffe, I don't think it's any coincidence that McCabe got canned. He didn't just step aside. This guy's been in there forever. He is close to retirement. He's going to take the rest of his vacation time so he gets all the way to the end here without a break and gets his full pension, et cetera. But this this guy is 49 years old, you know, and one of the uh, shining stars, supposedly, within the FBI. And the FBI director, Ray, goes to see the memo, and then all of a sudden, McCabe is sent packing. I see see a, a clear link there. All of this just makes me want to see the memo more. Oh, yeah. I just want to see it. Maybe that's selfish of me, but I want to see it. Trump thinks it's going to be to his benefit. This thing will be out there today, if not today, tomorrow. Absolutely. And I can't wait to see what is in it just as much as you. All right, but now now let's deal on a little bit firmer ground in terms of what we know is coming up in the State of the Union address tonight and uh, all kinds of things to talk about there. And uh, Democrats apoplectic about this presidency, of course, and loathing President Trump. I mean, everybody who's anybody is going to be responding in one way or another to the Trump State of the Union, which I think is going to be absolutely a tour de force tonight. So we'll get into that. Stay tuned. 407-916-5400. If you want to talk about McCabe, the memo, the State of the Union. President Trump's first State of the Union address tonight. We'll be covering it right here on WFLA at 9 o'clock. More about our comprehensive coverage 
throughout the evening, all leading up to and then following the State of the Union here in just a moment. Um, But the speech is going to focus on five key issues. The president trying to strike a bipartisan tone to try to get the compromise deal he wants on immigration here. He's put out this expanded dreamer amnesty that has some conservatives really unhappy. But it's the big bargaining chip to get him the commitment for a wall and other border security. And, of course, he also wants to phase out chain migration, dramatically reducing it to just spouses and minor children. Instead of like everybody in your extended family, you can bring them in here, you know, from Timbuktu, whatever country you're coming in from, and an end to the visa lottery program and going to a fully merit-based immigration system, okay? Um, So that's going to be a big deal. He's going to tout this strong economy, and he could go all night on that. It is just flat-out unbelievable how the economy is blossoming as the billionaire businessman turned president unshackles the engine of free enterprise. He's going to be talking about pushing his trillion-dollar-plus infrastructure plan, which I think is a bank-breaker myself, but he'll be talking about it and trying to sell it tonight. Certainly the Democrats will listen to that. It talks about spending a lot of taxpayer money, so they'll be paying attention. They'll hang in for that. He's going to be talking about the need for fair and reciprocal trade with other nations and and the need to rebuild the military, okay? So um, it'll be interesting. Tomorrow morning we're going to have on the show at 710 Orlando Police Officer Adam Gruler. And Yaffe, thanks for reaching out to Chief Mina and getting this done for us. Adam Gruler is going to be one of the president's many special guests sitting in Melania's box tonight. He was um, the first officer who was there when the Pulse nightclub massacre began. And uh, his is quite a dramatic story. And we'll have Adam Gruler on tomorrow um, to uh, give us some firsthand perspective on the State of the Union uh, experience. Speaking of the State of the Union... The Democrat response is going to be given by the next shining star, quote-unquote, in the Kennedy dynasty, 37-year-old Massachusetts Congressman Joe Kennedy. Um, Last night, the Hollywood lefties had their own People's State of the Union at Town Hall in New York City. And tonight, on the Black Entertainment Television Network, Maxine Waters is going to be giving her counter to Trump's State of the Union. Now, this is an exclusive here. On Good Morning Orlando for you, we have secured a recording of Maxine Waters' speech. Yaffe, I want you to take this in three parts for us. Here is Maxine Waters with her big open. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Yeah, now, now, okay, and she goes on there, all right, but now she really gets into the meat of the presentation Yaffe is carefully edited right the exact mid-portion of the 30-minute speech by Maxine Waters coming up later on tonight on the Black Entertainment Television Network. Let's catch a little of that, Mike. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Okay, good. Now, now listen, listen. Uh, let's just wrap it up here and let, let's catch Maxine Waters here concluding comments. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Got it. Got it. 
That's powerful stuff. Going to be high theater on Black Entertainment Television tonight. Mike's on with Beyond Reason this uh, tonight, taking your calls on the hottest topics out there, State of the Union or otherwise. That's from 6 until 8. We'll have Fox News radio pre-speech coverage 8 till 9. The speech itself, 9 to 10 on WFLA, 10 to 11. Fox News radio post-speech coverage. If you're expecting the Gator Georgia basketball game, we've moved it over to our sister station, 96.9 The Game, our sports station, airtime 625 tonight. My co-host, Deborah Roberts, checking in for the newsroom right now. Deb, you've got more on what to expect from the president's big speech tonight. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says the State of the Union is, quote, incredible. During a briefing yesterday, Sanders said President Trump is eager to talk about the great things he's doing for the U.S. during his State of the Union address tonight. Sanders said Trump is trying to make things better for all Americans. The president's guests at the big speech will include some small business people who have seen benefits from the big Republican tax bill. The guest list also counts a military hero, a California firefighter, a cop who's been shot twice, and a federal investigator who's had success going after MS-13 gang members. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 p.m. with Beyond Reason with Michael Yaffe, continuing with Fox News radio coverage of the speech and post-speech coverage. The Gators at Georgia basketball game will now be heard on our sister station, 96.9 The Game. Airtime is 6.25 p.m. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Speaking of the big Republican tax cut bill, ExxonMobil plans to pump $50 billion into the U.S. economy over the next five years. The oil giant CEO explained that the recently passed Republican tax cut bill is part of the reason they decided to invest so much in their U.S. operations. The tax cut uh, the tax cut corporate rates from 35 percent to 21 in part. The investment will help boost oil production in western Texas and eastern New Mexico, but ExxonMobil may also expand its operations on the Gulf Coast. Florida State University's president has relaxed the ban on Greek organizations he imposed in November after a pledge died of alcohol poisoning. John Thrasher says sororities and fraternities will be allowed to recruit again and do charity work, but an alcohol ban is still in effect. And if there's another incident, Thrasher says it could be the end of the Greeks. If that kind of activity goes on again, it's going to put Greek life in jeopardy. And that's, I don't want that. But on the other hand, they've got to buy in and understand that that kind of activity is putting fraternities and sororities around the country on the precipice of being extinguished. Nine students implicated in the death of FSU pledge Andrew Coffey have already been indicted on hazing charges by a grand jury. And finally, the Secret Service is warning of a crime targeting ATM machines across the country. The criminals have been using a method called jackpotting. The suspects install malicious software, which forces the ATM to dispense large amounts of cash as fast as two bills per second, just like you want a jackpot. The Secret Service says standalone ATMs in pharmacies and big box retailers are typically targeted, and six incidents have been reported in the U.S. with at least a million dollars stolen. I've never used an ATM machine, mostly security concerns. Now you've given me another reason yeah. to not use ATMs. I mean, it just spits them out at you. It's, it's incredible Gee to see whiz. the video of it. Yeah. Wow. And you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. And Gina joining us from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Good Tuesday morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. So global markets lower and uh, the futures, what are they showing you after yesterday's uh, trading on Wall Street? 
It does look like we're headed for a lower Wall Street open. We have European markets slipping and Asian markets fell today. Investors taking some profits after one of the best starts to a year in recent history. Right now we have the uh, Dow futures down about 162 points. That's a little bit more than what we normally see in the morning. And that's a decline of about six-tenths percent. We did have a lower close on Wall Street yesterday. The broader market down about seven-tenths of a percent. The Bloomberg Orlando index down about two-tenths of a percent on the session. And what will investors be watching for as the day unfolds, Gina? Well, of course, they're going to be watching the State of the Union address tonight. The Fed starts a two-day policy meeting today. This is Janet Yellen's final one as chair. And we have earnings from some big companies, McDonald's, Pfizer, and AMD among them. Okay, and you've got a follow-up for us now, an update on the news you brought us, that Keurig is uh, the folks, I guess, you know, have those fancy little coffee cups, and we love them, by the way, is <laughs> buying Dr. Pepper and Snapple, what's the latest on this? Yes, Keurig Green Mountain is actually owned by a huge holding company called JAB. JAB Holding is buying Dr. Pepper Snapple. Now, this latest bid to expand that huge empire had investors in Dunkin' Donuts feeling a little bit left out yesterday. Shares of Dunkin' Brands saw their worst intraday drop in more than a year. They were down as much as 5% after the news hit. And uh, they did regain a little bit of their ground, but they closed lower by about 2%. But JAB, just to give you an idea of some of the brands that it owns, besides Keurig Green Mountain, it owns Pete's, Caribou, Krispy Kreme, and Panera. I'm always surprised by these kind of like no-name conglomerates, you know, and and how far their reach is. JAB is this? JAB Holding. They're based in Europe. Very interesting. Getting an education, as I always do, (laughs) as we all do when you're with us, Gina. Facebook always making news. They're making some changes, and there are some concerns about how the um, social media giant influences our kids. What can you tell us this morning on this, Gina? Well, first of all, Facebook has announced in a blog post that it plans to prioritize more local news in users' news feeds. Meanwhile, a child advocacy group is calling on CEO Mark Zuckerberg to cancel plans for a new texting app called Messenger Kids. The Campaign for a Commercial Free Childhood wrote Zuckerberg a letter saying a growing body of research demonstrates that excessive use of digital devices and social media is harmful to children and teens. New York Times says Facebook is issued a statement saying that Messenger Kids is an app that helps parents and children chat in a safer way. All right, the Grammys the other night on Sunday, the Music Awards, highly politicized as all of these award shows seem to be. How is the audience reacting to that? You have more on the Grammy ratings this morning for us. The annual awards telecast on CBS attracted 19.8 million viewers. That's a decline of 24% from last year and the lowest tally since 2008. So a big drop. Even with the decline, the awards were the most watched entertainment show during prime time in almost a year, according to data from the network. The numbers don't include online viewers. Apparently, live things on television are still some of the biggest draw when it comes to viewership. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of sets clicking off, and mine was one of them. You know, music is great. We love to to really recognize the people who, uh, who bring us the best in music, and we don't want our politics mixed in with it. I think most people feel that way. And I think the numbers reflect it. Very interesting, as always. Gina Cervetti with the Bloomberg Business Report. Have a great day in the Big Apple. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, bud. You too. All right. Good deal. Coming up here.
There was some talk that Trump was about to nationalize the emerging 5G wireless technology. What is 5G and what are the president's plans? The latest coming up. Important high-tech stuff that will affect us all. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. I'll update as well here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. People ask me what it's like being responsible for three hours of content on the issues of the day on Good Morning Orlando. And this is the greatest challenge of my broadcasting career. It's like studying for final exams five days a week, okay? And sometimes I really need to get up to speed and get an education. I'm not a real high-tech guy. That's Yaffe. That's not the Bud Man. And we're talking about 5G wireless technology. I don't, I've heard it's coming, but I had no idea really what it is. I didn't even really clearly understand, and maybe you didn't either or don't, when you see these Verizon commercials or whatever or one of their competitors, and at the end they claim to be, you know, America's best 4G network. Well, what the heck is 4G? Do you know what that is? It stands for fourth generation of wireless technology. 4G primarily focused on, on the exploding smartphone market and how to make that technology work as it should. 5G is the fifth generation of wireless technology, and this is like super-fast connectivity, 100 times faster than anything we've had before, and it is what will be required if we are to develop safe self-driving cars, um, full-blown virtual reality, and all kinds of other things that rely on super-fast speed in connectivity. So 5G is what we are talking about here. It's interesting, the 5G networks that are coming will require new cell sites. we got 150 cell towers, 150,000 of them in the country right now, and they're all over the place. Now we're going to need 300,000 new ones. I mean, is it going to look like we're in the middle of oil well country with these big rent? No. The new ones are super high tech. It's only the size of a pizza box, so it's not going to be a real landscape eyesore, but all of that is coming. There were real concerns and red flags raised in the press over the weekend that President Trump wanted to nationalize the emerging 5G wireless technology, have the government take it over and develop the systems because they were worried about being able to compete with the Chinese they think have a leg up on us. So they said, the government's going to take this over and do it. It's going to be faster than if we have wireless AT&T or Verizon AT&T or other, other folks in private industry. But we have a clarification from the FCC director, Ajit Pai, on that. He says, no, 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 no. We're not going to nationalize 5G. I'll tell you, though, exactly the role the government should play. And now I feel a little bit better about it, and I'll tell you what the plan is. You want to talk 5G, give us a call, 407-916-5400. If you have questions or concerns or just comments, text line open, 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. So we have this emerging 5G technology, the fifth generation of wireless technology that will be super fast and will will allow us, they say, to have uh, the kind of computerization that will make it safe to have driverless cars, all kinds of virtual reality technology just emerging, etc. There had been press reports that the Trump administration was out to nationalize the development of the 5G wireless network. 
Now, the head of the FCC says, I oppose any proposal for the federal government to build and operate a nationwide 5G network. That yesterday from FCC's Commissioner Ajit Pai. says what the government can and should do is push Spectrum into the commercial marketplace and set rules that encourage the private sector to develop and deploy next-generation infrastructure. Do you feel better about that, Yaffe? I mean, the less government's doing that private sector can do, the better off we are. And and, and I, I think if Ajit Pai is saying that, that this is not going to happen. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the initial reports because the Trump administration, including the FCC commissioner, they just deregulated the Internet by get, getting rid of net neutrality, right. which was a good move. So to do that and then to want to nationalize a lot of the network just <laughs> didn't make any sense to me. So I'm glad he uh, straightened that out a little bit. What they're thinking is to get this done and this this network built out quickly to get out ahead of the Chinese who are all over this stuff, okay? What they're looking to do here is to partner, apparently, with a technology company that can build this network and then it can rent access to the likes of AT&T and Verizon instead of having them build their own and duplicate effort so that we will have a massive, highly efficient 5G network ASAP. Eh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm a little worried about how much the government would spend in that situation, and I don't like the government playing favorites, which it kind of sounds like they might be doing there, but we'll have to see. I don't think all the plans are out yet. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. Um, What they're saying, though, is if they were, as the government, to, through the FCC, award a large amount of broadband to a single telecom company, it would give them essentially a monopoly. Yeah, exactly. And render the others non-competitive. So I don't know. You're smelling a big rat here. I don't think the rat's quite as big as you think it is, but I guess we're all going to find out, aren't we? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) It depends. It depends how much they want to spend, what the deals are. I agree with him that the government does need to be involved somewhat to set the rules because there's only so much spectrum space. Absolutely. But, and the FCC has traditionally filled that role you know, yeah. through the history of broadcasting. Yeah, but I don't want them monopolizing the market. That, that would worry me. So I'm glad they stepped back a little bit, and mm-hmm. that report you know, yep. wasn't quite true. We will continue to follow that. 5G. You learn a little something? I sure did, putting this segment together. I guarantee you that. It's one of the coolest things about this job. I'm just always learning things I didn't know every day, and I just love it. It's the most exciting thing, and we're glad you're with us every morning to uh, to be a part of Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us here on a Tuesday at 7 o'clock, just in time, too, for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, President Trump says the State of the Union speech will be good. And a Florida political expert comments on the upcoming address. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And I'll put the spotlight on Floridians behaving badly in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 102.5. President Trump is getting ready for his first State of the Union address tonight. Trump is expected to cheer the ongoing strength of the economy, the soaring stock market, deregulation, and the big Republican tax bill that he signed last month. The speech before a joint session of Congress is scheduled for sometime after 9 p.m. Eastern time. Massachusetts Congressman Joe Kennedy will give the Democratic response to the president's speech. 
Kennedy is the grandson of former Attorney General Robert Kennedy. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 o'clock with Beyond Reason with Mike Yaffe, continuing all the way through with Fox News radio coverage of the speech itself and then post-speech coverage. And if you were looking for some Gators basketball tonight, the Georgia, or rather the Gators at Georgia basketball game will be heard in our sister station, 96.9 The Game, airtime 625. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, in Miami, Barry University political science professor Dr. Sean Foreman said Trump has an opportunity to gain some for, some support from Democrats. If he can throw them an olive branch in this State of the Union address, this is sort of the last chance for bipartisanship before we get into the campaign season. Beyond the economy, Foreman says Trump has his work cut out for him when it comes to immigration and infrastructure. Foreman also said it'll be interesting to see how Democrats who attend the speech will react to it, considering the lack of decorum in Congress recently. And quite a number of Democrats are boycotting the address. The president's already said he's going to play that bipartisanship card on immigration because they got to get 60 votes in the Senate. So that's a, a big part of the speech tonight, the immigration issue. Yeah, well, we do have another looming government shutdown next Thursday. That's if they're right. not able to, to fund, to get a, a handle on the immigration issue, we that's could be right. dealing with this all over again. Mm-hmm. Documentary filmmaker Michael Moore and a host of left-leaning celebrities are calling for big changes in the U.S. Moore and other entertainers and activists rallied progressives at the People's State of the Union last night in Manhattan. The gathering was a counter to President Trump's State of the Union address tonight in Washington. Moore called on the crowd to remove and replace what he called the system that gave America Donald Trump in the first place. In other news, a fitness tracking app is putting American service members at risk. Strava, which calls itself the social network for athletes, allows users to track and share their exercise routes with friends. It also includes a heat map feature for users to see popular places where people are running all over the world. Over the weekend, though, Nathan Ruser, an Australian student and analyst for the Institute for United Conflict Analysis, pointed out on Twitter that the app also made remote military bases clearly identifiable on the global map Twitter users have pointed out what they think are bases in Somalia, Yemen, and the Sahel region of Africa. A spokesperson for the Pentagon says the Department of Defense recommends, quote, all personnel limit public profiles on the Internet, including personal social media accounts, end quote. And finally, Tom Hanks is headed to the neighborhood. The 61-year-old actor is stepping into Mr. Rogers' shoes in his upcoming biopic, You Are My Friend. Sony TriStar Pictures announced the film will follow the budding friendship between a cynical journalist, Tom Junod, and Fred Rogers. Film production is scheduled to begin this fall, but the producer didn't say when it would hit the big screens. He can play Mr. Rogers. I mean, it just it's absolutely unbelievable the range of work that Hanks can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Think of all the roles he's had. He played Sully Sullenberger. He played Walt Disney. Played Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, and sure. then now he's playing uh, Mr. Rogers. You know, Captain Phillips. Um, he, yeah. he played Ben Bradley in the in the film that is out now about the Pentagon Papers, the Post. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it it, it really he is kind of today's Jimmy Stewart in his in terms of right. what he what he can do. But to play such a gentle soul as Rollins College graduate, 
Fred Rogers. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. I, I can't know. wait. We're so lucky to be able to say that, you know, Central Florida shared part of Fred Rogers because anyone oh, yeah. who grew up with Mr. Rogers neighborhood knows if there was ever a time that the world needed the neighborhood, it would be right now. Yeah. Our colleague Alan Spector had a chance to interview Fred Rogers years ago and just said he is absolutely the real deal. Yeah. Just the way he was with the kids is the way he is with everybody or was before he passed. Alan yep. Spector said he even got a hug from Mr. Rogers. Yes, and he said it was okay. Yeah, he said he it says, was... I'm not into man hugs, but that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> WFLA News Time at 7.07. Read about a reporter rushed to the scene of the Kentucky school shooting only to find out that her son was the suspect. Oh, my, Deb. Yeah, can you imagine? I had not heard that part of the story. Can't imagine being on that side of the microphone, but you can get the details at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Coming to you from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com alongside the Deb Meister, the Bud Man here with you in hour number two. Our executive producer, Yaffe, in the control room, and alongside him, Stephanie, the voice you will hear when you call to join the conversation. First up, a couple of Floridians behaving badly. Wait till you, wait till you hear these stories. And um, we have an AWOL school board member, hadn't shown up for a meeting in 11 months, and we got a seven-year-old police had to cuff for attacking his teacher in a Miami school. 407-916-5400 if you want to react to what you're about to hear. Text us, of course, at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. First up, our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest continues with the brand new keyword of the hour. Listen now. It's coming up in seconds. Text that word immediately to 200-200. You could win 1000 bucks. So there we go. We'll have an update, of course, in two minutes. Uh, that's standard procedure here on News Radio 1025 WFLA on news, weather, and traffic. We're glad you're with us. Good Tuesday morning, Orlando. Lots of intrigue about exactly what's in that memo. Yaffe and I can't wait to see it. Clearly, uh, there was something in there about McCabe that the FBI director, Christopher Ray thought was very, very problematic, to say the least. All right, the category is Floridians behaving badly. Question for you, and I asked myself this. How long before you would be fired if you just stopped coming to work without explanation? <laughs> How long? Measured in days, and not many of them, right? But if you're working for Seminole County government, if you happen to be on the school board and your name happens to be Jeff Bauer, you can go 11 months without showing up for a single meeting or explaining your absence and still be making your full paycheck of $41,000 a year and still getting full health benefits from the county. This just screams for government to be run more like a business, which is exactly what Trump has been trying to do and the resistance from the deep state in particular has, as you know, been ferocious. But here's the deal. Jeff Bauer was elected in 2014, um, District 1, Seminole County School Board, and they have regular meetings. Apparently he had some kind of a medical problem. Some say it might have been a stroke in 2016. It left him at least partially disabled. But that's all been shrouded in secrecy, and he has not shown up for a single meeting since last February. 11 months, 
and nobody can find him. He's not responsive, but he is still being paid. Kudos to the Orlando Sentinel. Their education reporter, Leslie Postal, did a really great commentary on this and I think shamed the school board into saying, well, wait a minute. You know, this guy's elected to, to pay, to, to serve the public, and he's being paid by Seminole County taxpayer dollars. This is outrageous. Do something. And so they've sent a letter that was in the Sentinel. Superintendent Walt Griffin sent a letter to Bauer. And uh, among other things in there, um, they ask if Bauer wants to call in the meetings. They give him a calendar of all the meetings to the end of this year. Maybe there's a phone number we could reach you at. A whole thing. I mean, it's unbelievable how, how, how people working in government can somehow get by. And I don't know whether there's a legitimate reason here, but he owes at least an explanation, doesn't he, after 11 months? In the private sector, you'd have no chance to keep your job in that scenario. This is why business needs to be run more like like the private sector is run. <sighs> Yaffe, what do you think's going on with this guy, Bauer? I, I was just sitting here thinking I need to get one of those government jobs is what I was. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what was going through that, my mind. But it, do, you <laughs> even, do you even believe that? And and it's no. like they weren't going to write a letter to him apparently until they got shamed by the Orlando Sentinel report, and and so now they've sent this letter. But it's just like, well, geez, Jeff, you know how you doing? I mean, maybe there's a way you could phone in uh, and be here the, on the phone for the meetings. And here's the schedule. I hope you can make something along the way. It's amazing to me. Yeah, there's such, it's such little respect for we, the people, the taxpayers in the right. public sector, and what you can get away with. Floridians behaving badly. How about a seven-year-old boy in school attacking his teacher, knocking her down, being cuffed by police, and then mom calls it police abuse? That's next. If you want to react to the Jeff Bauer Seminole County School Board story, 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Have you ever heard of anything like that? How long would you be able to keep your job if you just didn't show up and wouldn't explain to anybody where you were or why you were not on the job? 407-916-5400. On this AWOL, Seminole County School Board member hasn't shown up for a meeting in 11 months, Jeff Bauer. I can tell you that the Florida Constitution says members of elected boards can be removed from office by the governor for a whole host of things, including neglective duty, I think that would fit, and permanent inability to perform official duties. 11 months is pretty permanent, don't you think? By the way, the, the really good commentary that kind of shamed the Seminole County School Board or the superintendent into writing the letter to Bauer to try to get him to show up was not done by Leslie Postal. It was done by Lauren Ritchie. My error there. Um, Floridians behaving badly. Let's get on down to Miami. There's a 7-year-old kid, name not released, who was misbehaving in the um, cafeteria, among other things, playing with his food, was told to stop. He wouldn't, and he got belligerent. They hauled him out of there, and then he attacked a teacher who had told him to stop doing what he was doing, attacked him apparently pretty viciously, even though he's seven years old, some of these kids are pretty big, and knocked her down. And a, a police officer cuffed the kid and hauled him away. And the mother says the arrest of her son is police abuse. Witnesses say, you know, that all of this that is reported went down. It's all caught on surveillance camera. The teacher plans to press charges. The assault was so bad. 
you know? Why is the mom, we see this too often in this day and age, it wouldn't have been that way with my mother, I guarantee you that. They would have said, you know, put them in the cooler for a while, you know, straighten them out for crying out loud. When it comes to that, I'm sorry. I'm, I support the cops. We got a kid out of control attacking a teacher, knocking her down for God's sake, and being that unruly. If you got to put him in handcuffs, you got to put him in handcuffs. You got to arrest him, you got to arrest him. Teach him a lesson. Maybe it'll turn him around. But having the mom side with, with her son in this situation, with all the evidence in this thing, I'm sorry, I'm with the cops. 407 916 5400. What's coming into the text line on our Floridians behaving badly, Yaffe? Well, yes, but on the first Floridian behaving badly, the school board member, one person says this. He owes the taxpayers. Um, his Why didn't his co-workers say anything, by the way? I don't know why they're letting him get away with it yeah. for so long. Yeah, so, I really don't. And the idea that he's been so unresponsive, you right. know? Right. Now, on the child, the child behaving badly, one person said this, said, I wouldn't have a problem with my child being handcuffed for assaulting anyone, let alone a school teacher. Maybe that will wake up the child and they will understand there are consequences for your actions. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, if we're not going to bring back the paddle, I mean, this is what you got to do. Right. Yeah. Paddle works for me. I guess (laughs) it's considered too barbaric, you know, and you don't want to bruise any of those little snowflakes, you know. Yeah, but I mean, especially if there's surveillance footage yeah. you knock the teacher down, what, what do you want him to do? Here's a teacher on the line agrees with the cops on this story. Maria, good morning. You're on with a bud man from Orlando. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. What yes, do you think? I agree with the police officer because all the teachers can do is keep redirecting and redirecting, and the child keeps doing this, and, and then he hurt the teacher. Yes, I agree with the police officer. What is it like for you teachers in this day and age who so often find that if you discipline one of the kids, the teacher, the, the parents come down on you, not on the kid? Yes, they do. They come down on the teacher. And what we do, we're, we're taught to say positive things about their child when we first meet them. And then, and then we go into what they're not doing. But, I mean, still... He hurt the teacher. I mean, I agree with what you just said wholeheartedly. Thank you, Maria. Have a great day in the classroom. I'll bet you're terrific with your kids. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Maria. Here on WFLA, as we've been telling you, we'll be bringing you comprehensive coverage of President Trump's first State of the Union address tonight, and Deb has more on that. Yeah, where President Trump thinks that tonight's State of the Union address will be a good one. At the White House yesterday, Trump said it would be a big and important speech that'll cover a lot of territory. The State of the Union address is set for around 9 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time. Trump plans to talk about immigration reform, the strong economy, and the big Republican tax cut bill that he signed last month. He said he'll also talk about making trade deals more fair. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 p.m. with Beyond Reason with Michael Yaffe, continuing with Fox News radio coverage of the speech and post-speech coverage. And the Gators at Georgia basketball game will now be heard on our sister station, 96.9 The Game. Game time is 6.25 p.m. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump's first State of the Union address is upon us tonight, as I just said, which means, of course, there's a drinking game to go along with it. (laughs) Red Eye, a publication put out by the Chicago Tribune, has some of the rules. All right. 
take a drink whenever Trump talks about the Electoral College, says a variation of, quote, people are saying more and more, end quote, or, quote, we're bringing something back or making something bigger than ever, end quote. Okay. (laughs) Take two drinks when uh, Trump insults someone or there's a standing ovation. Take a shot if Tiffany Trump shows up. And finish off your drink if the president makes a you're fired reference. (laughs) (laughs) Going to have a lot of people bleary-eyed tomorrow morning, I think. And that's without the drinking game. (laughs) Yes, well, that's another thought, yeah. In the meantime, have you heard that tickets to President Trump's first State of the Union address have to be reprinted because of a major typo? I saw that on Fox Special Report with Brett Baer. Unbelievable. Yeah, the tickets say the speech will address the State of the Union That's Unium with an M. (laughs) The sergeant at arms admitted the mistake and said its office is fixing it and redistributing the tickets. Florida Senator Marco Rubio tweeted a picture of his ticket with the misprint and said he's looking forward to seeing the State of the Union. I got to tell you, that would be a collector's item a couple of generations from now. now? Hang on to that. Oh, yeah, I would. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Finally, with Monday over and done with, but several more workdays to go. You might be dreaming of a vacation right about now. Just so happens that today is National Plan for Vacation Day. Really? Yes, because it's meant to remind folks to make use of the vacation time they have coming. A not-so-fun fact about vacation time, bud, every year, American workers let more than 600 million vacation days go unused. I can't believe people leave them on the table. I think they're just paranoid about their job security, if they go on vacation, somebody else will perform better and they'll be gone. I don't what, know. What, what is the mentality there? Uh, uh, for a lot of folks, I think, you know, especially like in the newsroom, the people I work around never take all of their vacation time coming to them. I guess for a lot of people, too, you know, you're so busy before you leave for vacation. And then when you get back, you're punished for being gone on vacation. You've wow. got backed up emails. And Personally, you're always going to be busy. You've got to take time to get away from the job and, and re what I think. recharge your batteries. Do you do you leave vacation time on the table? Do you do it? And if so, why do you do it? Yeah. And, yeah. and does it call. help you feel better about your job or your life when yeah. you're just working all the time? I can't relate to that mentality. I, I just don't get it. So maybe you can help me understand it if that's the way you play the game at work. And why do you do that? My goodness, I want every dog on day. I mean, I work as hard as I can here, and so do you, Deb. But I want all the time coming to me, and I intend to take it. Last year was the first year ever in my 25-year radio career I left three, count them, three vacation days on the books. And you haven't been the same since? I have not. Nobody can deal with you. I, I'm <laughs> very difficult on a regular basis. Take away my vacation time and forget about Give it. Give us a call and tell us why you leave vacation time on the table. you got to be out of your mind. I don't get it. 407-916-5400. Or text us at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Yeah, and also, if if you notice a difference at work, does it make that much of a difference what you do for a living that not having any vacation is yeah. a good trade-off? Yeah, interesting. All right, good deal. Deb, thank you. You're welcome, bud, man. My partner, Deborah Roberts, co-host of the show here. We'll have more news whenever it breaks. And, of course, you can count on our top and bottom of the hour and those unique and memorable Deb segments, as we call them. I've got a list of the most polarizing brands in America right now. And there's one very, very interesting um, surprise on it. And uh, I'll share that here in just a moment. 
Very interesting results in a morning consult survey of the most polarizing brands in America this year, as of now. What they did was they determined how Republicans reacted to the mention of a certain brand and how Democrats reacted. And the most polarizing brands, the gap between the Republicans and the Democrats' reaction to it, that's how they measure the polarization level, okay? Now, number one, Trump hotels. Okay, yeah, that should be pretty obvious. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know that I would have thought of that. I absolutely <laughs> would have thought of a whole bunch of, of these media companies, okay? And they are all over this list, particularly up toward the top. Number one most polarizing brand, Trump Hotels. Number two, CNN. Number three, Fox News. See, there's, okay. a, there's a gap. You can understand what I'm talking about yeah. here. At CNN, you know, the, the Democrats love it. Republicans hate it. Fox News, Republicans love it. Democrats hate it. Yeah, pretty obvious. Number three, NBC News. Number Where did number four go? I don't know. It's not there. Number five, New York Times. Number six is MSNBC. And here, here is a very interesting entry. Number Six is the National Football League, the most uh, polarizing brands in America. Wow, the NFL doesn't like that. Oh, I know it. That's not not where you'd expect to see a a um a a sports league. I mean, you don't find Major League Baseball anywhere on the list at all, anywhere. And M- Major League Baseball's uh, their popularity is surging by all measures. The National Football League numbers down, attendance down. The protest, people don't like it, and it's polarizing. And then go through the rest of the list here in order, okay? The most polarizing brands in descending order after the National Football League, ABC News, CBS News, Washington Post, Fox Business, Black Entertainment Television, HuffPost, Time Magazine, CBS, Chick-fil-A. Really? Really? It's amazing. Yeah. Their food is so good. I know. Who cares about politics when you're looking for a chicken sandwich? I know. You know? Come on. But it's true. I mean, people are so politicized. MTV, Breitbart, Comedy Central, the National Basketball Association, number 19. Bass Pro Shops. What? I have no idea. Exxon Mobil. Huh. Well, come on. When you're low on gas, I mean, is yeah, there really the politics involved oil, in where though. you go? Oh, wait a minute. Rex Tillerson, Trump's secretary of state, used to run ExxonMobil. Well, we're not going to get our gas there. I can hear the libs saying that right now. Anyway, Coke Industries, the conservative brothers. Papa John's is on the list. Starbucks, run by a liberal. Papa John's? What's what's, what's Cabela's? Anybody know what Cabela's is? What's Cabela's? No. I'd have to look that, that up. That must be some kind of a, a retail Sounds outlet. Like a, we don't have them here yeah. that I've heard of. Halliburton, HBO, NASCAR, and NBC Universal. Number one, polarizing brand, Trump Hotels. Number two, CNN. Number three, Fox News. Number six, the National Football League. The NFL is definitely, if they saw this list, they are not happy about it. I'm that. sure they have. All right. Because I'm sure Roger Goodell has his free iHeartRadio app and is catching the Bud Man for oh, the yeah, office in of New York. Yeah. Heading on out to the All Super Bowl in Minneapolis. Of course. Watch it, Roger. There's going to be a quiz. Most of those are pretty obvious, other than a couple. So was this like a, a waste of precious broadcast time that I should read the list? Was it just like Captain Obvious here? I should have done it. 
No. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay. I found it very interesting. Good. How about you, Stephanie? Pretty compelling stuff, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm being patronized here. I really am. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So glad you're with us. You're on the 50,000 watt front porch. One hour to go here. News update coming with Deb at 8 o'clock. Then we're going to talk more about this um, uh, this mysterious four-page memo that's going to be released and um, sudden firing of the uh, deputy FBI director. Uh, preview the President's State of the Union address, which we will cover here tonight. More on the arrangements for that coming up here in the course of the news. But, you know, at one point, Deb was telling me this morning that there was some kind of a problem with ATM machines and people, you know, setting up some kind of a, a, of a system which would steal your information. I said, there's another reason why I will never use an ATM machine. And Yaffe and Stephanie were shocked when I said, never. I have never literally used an ATM machine. Never in your life. Never. Ever. Well, not one Anywhere. time. Not one time ever. At a bank? I didn't like them when they first came out because people were getting knocked off and uh, robbed the whole time, and I just never got into the habit. And you asked me an interesting question that really surprised me. You said to me, well, then how do you... How do you get your cash? I mean, most people go to their bank's ATM and get the cash that way. Stephanie, you've been smirking at me ever since I said that. Are you (laughs) shocked and amazed that I've never used an ATM machine? Yeah, I am. It's strange. First thing I've I never do, met when I need cash, I go to the Bank of Linda. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not an allowance. Yeah, she gives you your daily no, allowance. No, she doesn't. If you but, do your you know, chores. I might need a couple of 20s or something. <laughs> I see here. who runs the show. Uh, well, well, I guess that that's probably, uh, <laughs> that's probably true. Anybody who knows me would know that's true. But anyway, anyway, um, and how do I get cash? I go to the supermarket. I go to the home improvement store. At the end, they say, you want cash back? I say yes, and I get cash back. You know, I'm not going to get clubbed over the head at the checkout counter. I know I that. Don't know. You know what? Do you guys use the ATMs all the time? Well, I used to. Nowadays, I barely ever carry cash. Generational thing there, so I don't use it as much. But I, I used to, yeah, at my bank. Steph, what about it? Oh yeah, I still use it. You know, when I have cash, I go put it in the bank immediately because mm-hmm. I hate carrying cash. Why? It's the worst. Oh, it's just. What's wrong with it? It's real money. It's not a plastic card. It's just card. easy to like swipe and go or insert now with the little chip and go. Ah, oh, jeez. It makes life easier. My kids don't carry any cash either. You know? Once from out of town and you know they come down here, they don't have the e pass and all of this. You know, and then they said, I don't have I don't even I don't even have enough cash to pay the tolls to get down to see. Oh, they just Mom read your Dad. license plate now. Oh, jeez. Unbelievable. Okay, well, there's the deal. The news coming up with the Debmeister on the um on the President's State of the Union address tonight and our plans to cover it for you on WFLA. And Ron DeSantis has kicked off his campaign for Florida governor. Good morning from us all. Good morning from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. It's Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. We're glad you're with us for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning President Trump says the State of the Union speech will be good, and Ron DeSantis kicks off his campaign for governor. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. My take and yours on the State of the Union speech. What do you want to hear from the president? Also, that memo and McCabe, all in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. 
Good Tuesday morning. It's 804 on News Radio 1025. President Trump delivers his first State of the Union address to Congress tonight. Trump is expected to cheer the ongoing strength of the economy, the soaring stock market, deregulation, and the big Republican tax bill that he signed last month. The speech is scheduled to begin shortly after 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Some members of Congress are planning to wear black to support the Me Too movement. At the same time, at least 10 Democratic members have said they're boycotting tonight's presidential address. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 o'clock tonight with Beyond Reason with Michael Yaffe, continuing with Fox News radio coverage of the speech itself and post-speech coverage. And if you were looking for some Gators basketball, the Gators at Georgia basketball game will now be heard on our sister station, 96.9 The Game at 625. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Trump administration isn't putting new sanctions on Russia for interfering in the 2016 presidential election. The administration declined to place sanctions on companies and countries doing business with Russian defense and intelligence agencies as required by a law passed last year. The State Department says the sanctions aren't necessary because the law itself is serving as as a deterrent. The law, which also placed sanctions on Iran and North Korea, passed with overwhelming support. Meanwhile, CIA Director Mike Pompeo says he has every expectation Russia will try to influence this year's midterm elections. This threat's not going to go away. The Russians have been at this a long time, and I fully expect they'll continue to be at it. Pompeo told a BBC interviewer yesterday he hasn't seen any decrease in Russian activity after the interference in the 2016 election campaign. Pompeo, however, said he's confident the U.S. will be able to have a free and fair election and will push back in a way that makes sure Russian interference won't have a great impact on this year's elections. The Republican, who's apparently Donald Trump's choice to be the next governor of Florida, is officially on the campaign trail. Congressman Ron DeSantis kicked off his bid before a lively crowd at the Embassy Suites in Boca Raton yesterday. I'm proud to be here and say we're running and we're going to win this race. He paid tribute to the current governor, saying he wants to, quote, follow Rick Scott's legacy and shake things up, end quote. In a tweet last month, President Trump called DeSantis a, quote, brilliant young leader who would make a great governor of Florida, end quote. A former congresswoman is facing what one expert calls a rough road as she starts her new life in prison. Corinne Brown reported yesterday to a federal prison in Sumter County to start serving her five-year sentence for corruption. She's in a low-security prison camp that doesn't have walls or fences, but a jail expert says other inmates will resent her for being rich and entitled. Larry Levine of Wall Street Prison Consultants tells Orlando Sentinel, High-profile inmates get treated like, quote, excrement, end quote. And finally, fewer people are tuning in to watch the Grammy Awards. Sunday night's three-and-a-half-hour presentation of the 60th Grammy Awards on CBS brought in 19.8 million viewers. That's a 24% drop from last year and the lowest number since 2009. But the broadcast was still the most watched primetime entertainment show since last year's Oscars. Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, we all love the best in the music industry, and there's still a lot of great music out there. We want to honor the people who make it. But people, I think a lot, don't want politics mixed in. And it was another highly political award show. And it doesn't play with a significant percentage of the audience out there. And it's really costing them, Deb. Yeah, it is, right along with the uh, NFL. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07. Read about the Cleveland Indians getting ready to axe Chief Wahoo in 2019 at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News. 
weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. For the very few of you who are not with us in the six o'clock hour, when I talked about this memo, McCabe, and the President's State of the Union address, um, we're going to uh, we're going to get into all of that here in just a moment. We're so glad you're with us for hour number three, our sound judgment game for a great new prize, a brand new Trump board game will be played later in this hour. You definitely want to compete for this. It is a terrific brand new prize. So stay tuned right now for our hourly update on the key word in our Make Your Wallet Great Again contest. You're going to hear it right away here and then text it to 200-200. You can win $1,000. We'll have all of this and we'll dive right in after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here in two minutes for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. President Trump's going to strike five key themes, the White House says, in his first State of the Union address tonight, an immigration deal Congress. I think he's going to play the bipartisanship card there because he's pragmatic. He understands he's got to get 60 votes in the Senate. He's going to be reaching out to Democrats here. He already is with that expanded dreamer amnesty, which is the trade off to get funding for the wall, and uh, also to phase out or phase down chain migration and end the visa lottery program. That's going to be a big deal tonight. But the president's also, and I hope he sticks it in the Democrats' face about the economic recovery and the millions of Americans getting bonuses and benefits from their employers directly as a result of the improved business climate for the employer generated by the fallout from the Trump tax cuts and tax reform. He needs to look right at Pelosi and right at Debbie Wasserman Schultz and right at Chuck Schumer. Look them right in the eye and stick it in their face about their condescending comments about these crumbs that are being handed out to the working people of America going to talk about fair and reciprocal trade. He's going to be talking about his trillion-dollar-plus infrastructure plan, um, rebuilding the military, et cetera. Um, I think he's going to be great tonight. And and if if you'll remember, last year he had just been in office. It isn't called a State of the Union when a president just takes office in his first term. Uh, But it was an address to the nation. And even his critics said, wow, what a speech. Believe me, a year into this, it's going to be wow-plus from the president tonight. But I really want him to stick it in the Democrats' face on the economic recovery that they fought every step of the way. No votes from the Democrats on the tax reform and tax cuts. And I I mean, I hope he's bold, not conciliatory. I hope he's brash. I hope he's fiery. He was a little bit of a flatliner, I thought, at Davos. Great message, but I want a little more Trump pop a little more Trump rally approach in his delivery. You know what I'm talking about, Yaffe? I want some energy tonight. I'm sure I'm sure he'll bring it. I, I hope he will. I hope he will. It's kind of like uh, what you said, though, last year. He actually did a really good job. His speech was widely said to be really good. So if he does something similar to that this year, he'll be good. Even the commie commentator Van Jones, I'll remember on CNN, <laughs> said, my God, he was really terrific. Yeah, I forgot about remember that. Remember how scared he was just like, oh, my God, now what are we going to do? I think he's going to be great. Talk to me about what you want to hear from the president and what approach you want him to take. I think some in-your-face Democrats is warranted. 
I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, the opposite of what he, he might do a little bit of that, but it seems like he wants to do more of a bipartisan tone from what yeah. I've been reading. All right. All right. As long as it's not flat. I just thought, I thought, you know, I want a little rally Trump. I'm sorry. I do. I can't wait. We're going to Some cover good it. nicknames for people, too. I'm, he's got to throw that in there. Yeah, I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> crying Chuck Schumer. Yeah, we're crying Chuck. Anyway, I'm going to be uh, staying up late, and we're going to be cutting up some sound and playing it tomorrow morning and talking about it with you. I absolutely guarantee you that. Deb gave you our lineup all evening long. That starts with Yaffe on with his primetime show, Beyond Reason, 6 to 8, leading into Fox coverage in advance of the speech, the whole speech at 9 o'clock, and then post-speech analysis after that until 11 o'clock or so. Got to talk about the uh, firing of the uh, deputy FBI director, and the almost simultaneous vote by the Republicans in the House Intel Committee to release that four-page memo we've been talking so much about. We'll get to that. Stay tuned. Trump will greenlight the full public release of this uh, memo. I wouldn't be surprised if we did it today to really get everybody on fire for the State of the Union tonight, if not tonight, tomorrow, I think, because he thinks it's going to really um, get them off the hook with what it shows about there's no Russian collusion, but there is bias against the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency within the halls of power, within the deep state, particularly within the FBI. And as for this guy, Andrew McCabe, Trump's been trying to get rid of him for quite a while here because he knows that this guy is, 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 is a pro-Clinton ally and that, it, that she got, his wife did, McCabe's wife, $700,000 from a pack run by Terry McAuliffe when she was trying to run for the Senate out of Virginia. McAuliffe is the Democrat governor and a very staunch, long-standing Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton ally. And he smelled a rat. And who couldn't smell it? And I, I, I just think the FBI, as great an agency as that has been, and as vital as it is to this country, the preeminent law enforcement agency in the entire world is just full of corruption and full of anti-Trump bias. And I, and I think there was something in there related to that in that memo. And when the FBI director saw it, he sent him out, sent him packing right away. Anyway, let's go to David in Ocala on the State of the Union address tonight. Good morning to you, David. Uh, good morning, bud. Uh, listen, I want uh, the president to say that he won the election and the economy is doing great. And if the Democrats want to go along with on the trip, that they can ride on the bus but they have to sit in the back. Uh, Obama said that, so I think it's a fair deal for the for the president, our president to say that. What do you think? Well, I don't know. He says back of the bus, all the rest of the Democrats who haven't boycotted it, the black ones in particular, will go flying out of the uh, out of the Capitol tonight. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. All he'd have to do was say back of the bus, and they'd say it was racist. <laughs> they would. You know they would. You, you want to see the president stick it in their face tonight? Oh, yes, I do. I despise Democrats. I really do. Really? I mean, the country. all Democrats. Every single one of them. Uh, you, you're either part of the, the cure for the disease or you are part of the disease. And I view all Democrats as part of the disease of liberalism. David, but, thank uh, you. I wish you could see how the call screener, Stephanie, who took your call a moment ago, is cheering you on. You are on the same page with David from Ocala, aren't you, Steph? Oh, yeah, that was great. I loved it. What do you want from the president tonight, Steph? Oh, I want the same thing. I think he's going to stick it to all of them. And he's, you know, he's a tough guy. 
So He's fearless. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm pumped. Text line, Yaffe? Uh, yes, but uh, you asked people what they want from the speech. One person said this, said wants them to talk about the wall and jail for Hillary. You know, lock her Ooh. up. Ooh. Lock her I up, lock her up. Seriously doubt that's wow, going to that happen. would be an in-your-face, yeah. Um, another person says, if Trump does a Trump-style State of the Union, like you said, more energy, he may very well have half the hall empty by the end of it. Well, that would be high theater, wouldn't it? That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Another person said, what he will not talk about is the national debt and the deficit. Yeah, I know. That's a big, big problem. And this, this budget-busting infrastructure program that that he's going to tout tonight. You and I have a problem with that because mm-hmm. it just makes the hole deeper and wider. What's you know? amazing is the Democrats' problem with that is that he doesn't want to spend enough. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> the well, Democrats want him to spend more. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep. Our coverage starts with you tonight, right, Yaffe, from 6 until 8? Yes, and we'll talk about it. Maybe they'll release some of the speech uh, by 6 p.m. tonight. I'll be on 6 to 8 p.m. I have a couple of expert guests as well Good. on... Uh, um, what's going to happen tonight in the State of the Union? That'll be great, and we'll feed right into Fox coverage and then the speech and uh, post-speech analysis all night long here, and then we'll be talking about it tomorrow morning with the key sound bites and my take on it all and yours as well. Um, Deborah Roberts updating our news at the bottom of the hour. More talk about what's coming down the pike on the State of the Union address and the president's prediction for how well it will be received. And get ready for a rare celestial trifecta. The Deb Meister says... We're talking super blue blood moon and lunar eclipse. Details coming up in Good Morning Orlando at 829. Co-host and partner Deborah Roberts checking in from the newsroom right now. And uh, what do you got on the State of the Union coming up tonight, Deb? Well, the spotlight is on President Trump tonight, bud, as he makes his first State of the Union address. The big speech will happen before a joint session of Congress sometime after 9 o'clock Eastern time. In her daily briefing yesterday, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders called the State of the American Union, quote, incredible. Our coverage of the State of the Union will kick off at 6 o'clock tonight with Beyond Reason with Michael Yaffe, continuing with Fox News radio coverage of the speech itself and then post-speech coverage. And if you were looking for some college basketball, the Gators at Georgia basketball game will now be heard on our sister station, 96.9 The Game, at 6.25 p.m. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Millions of Americans are setting their alarms to watch the super blue blood moon and lunar eclipse. Yeah, you told us about this a little bit uh, several days ago, and it's it's coming up. Yes, it's coming up tonight. Tonight or tomorrow? I have it as tonight, but okay. then we might be able to get two good days out of it, depending right. if we get some good clear skies. All right. You call it the trifecta. It is the trifecta, and NASA claims this rare celestial trifecta can best be seen in its totality Unfortunately, from places like Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, Hawaii, and parts of Nevada, for us here in Florida, we're only going to get a partial lunar eclipse because the moon will have already set on the horizon by the time it reaches totality. On Wednesday, tomorrow, this month's second full moon will appear at least 14 to 15 percent bigger and 30 percent brighter. But again, only those viewing the total eclipse will see the reddish-orange hue of a blood moon. Yeah. Last time there was a blue moon, the second full moon in a month, and a lunar eclipse was a year after the Civil War ended. That's how rare this is. Boy, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. And I like that. someone who is already going to be up late tonight watching the State of the Union address, yeah. you might want to just jump outside and, and 
you know, put your eyes to the sky. And I'll be checking it out. I was going to ask if anything good or bad happened the last time this happened. Should we know. be worried that the world's going to go crazy maybe or will everything be nice and I, harmonious? I, I think we're okay with the fact that the world has already gone crazy. So, <laughs> so we just have to ride that train till the wheels fall off. <laughs> it might just be, make the opposite. Everything's yeah, better. All whatever. Right. Okay, good. You remember the solar eclipse last summer in August? Oh, yeah. I've got friends of of sound mind otherwise who think that uh, that the, triggered all kinds of awful events worldwide, that that, that, that we're still feeling the effects of the, of the solar eclipse. People have believed that for Millennia. centuries. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just nuts. I agree. Yeah. Speaking anyway. of uh, things you rarely see, some Disney fans were a bit disturbed after seeing one particular villain in a rather scary role indeed. The head of the Ursula animatronic figure became partially detached on the Ariel's Undersea Adventure ride at Disney's California Adventure this past weekend. Oh, kids must have been traumatized. Riders were caught off guard to see the beheaded sea witch still singing her song, Poor Unfortunate Souls, as her head (laughs) dangled from cords coming out of the body. Some younger theme park visitors deemed the whole thing freaky. Disneyland officials aren't commenting on how the animatronic Ursula lost her head or how long it took to reattach it. And as someone who used to work at the Great Movie Ride, I can tell you that uh, that happened to the chimp on the Tarzan portion of the Great Movie Ride when I first started working Did it there. really? Spewing hydraulic fluid all over. Lost his head. Another time, the witch in The Wizard of Oz lost her hand. <laughs> and as she's whipping around, she's spraying hydraulic fluid all over the guests. Yeah, those animatronics. you got to be careful. So Very sensitive technology. They're not blaming the... The blood moon, are they? Is that... I will keep you up on that. <laughs> no right. word just yet. <laughs> you were you were the live actor in that, right? Yes, I played uh, Ma Durango uh, in, in the western portion as well as a yeah. tour guide. Yeah, how cool! And is the that? reason was because uh, you know when Disney MGM, what it was named at the time, uh, opened, we weren't prepared for the crowds. We didn't think people were going to come to an uh, pretty much an unfinished park. Oh, they came. Yeah, they came to the point where there were three four hour waits outside the Great Movie Ride. So we started wow. opening it at like 5 in the morning and running it all day long. Well, you can't run animatronics like that. Right. They, they weren't built for that. So that's why you have the chimp's head falling off and the witch's hand falling <laughs> off and spewing hydraulic fluid all over Disney guests. That ride's closing down, or did it already yes, close down? Yes, I know. I know. Yes, it's being replaced. Yeah, they're redoing large portions of what's now the Hollywood Studios yeah. out there. And uh, big Star Wars theme, other things, Toy Story, I think, is coming up and yeah, all that. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah. still, good, good memories. Stuff. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome. Absolutely. I bet you were awesome. <laughs> no, you really. I'm just, I, 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 it was the only time at Disney you could carry a gun and yell at the guests and not get fired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Fantastic. Brand new prize up for grabs for today's Sound Judgment Game winner. Let's talk about it, Steph. That's right, bud. So today, our Sound Judgment prize is your very own copy of a brand new Trump board game, Trump Policy, What Kind of Society Do You Want? Trump Policy stimulates conversation about the key issues of the day, all focused on President Trump's policies and their impact on America. Dare to play Trump Policy with your family and friends and find out what they really think? The new Trump Policy board game is a $40 value and is available online at trumppolicy.net. This is brand new, and it's really cool. Nobody else you know is going to have it. You're going to be the talk of the neighborhood. And we're making sure uh, Stephanie doesn't steal it, so yeah. we've hidden it away because we know she wants it. Yeah, she is. A, she is. <laughs> you talk about 
a fanatical Trump supporter. <laughs> That's our call screener, Stephanie, for sure. All right, here we go. Tonight, President Trump delivers his first State of the Union address, and you'll hear it right here on WFLA. Now, until the early 20th century, presidents sent a written State of the Union message to Congress. All that changed in 1913, when the president that year shocked the nation by making a State of the Union speech before Congress. Listen now to the traditional State of the Union introduction President Trump will hear tonight. Then use your sound judgment to name the president who, in 1913, started the tradition of giving a State of the Union speech before Congress. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. So who was that president in 1913? If you know your presidents and when they were in office, you should be able to get this one and win the brand new Trump board game. Let's start on line four today. Go ahead, line four. Hello. Hello. uh, Woodrow Wilson. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, you're good. You're you're good on your presidents. What do you think? You have won the brand new never before seen Trump board game. Yeah, I'll take the board game. He wasn't a very good president, though. Woodrow? Yeah, but all you need, I don't care about that. All I'm telling <laughs> you is he started the tradition then uh, of giving the speech live before Congress. So that's all you needed to know, and you won it. You had a hard Absolutely. time saying his name. I can tell that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, though. Yeah, the progressive Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to pop you a note of congratulations if you'll be kind enough to just give me your first name. Yeah, I'm Warren. Warren? Juan, J-U-A-N. Okay, Juan. Where are you calling in from this morning, if I can ask? Deltona. Beautiful town. Great to have you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. If you want that game, and I know you do, you and Stephanie are going to talk it over, okay? And we're going to make sure she doesn't steal your copy, because I know she really (laughs) wants it, okay? But she's not eligible, okay? You are, and you're our winner Ron, congratulations, and thanks for being a part of our show this morning. Take care. Buddy. All right, don't go away, buddy. So there, it's, all, it's all Wilson's fault. It's all his fault that we have to stay up late tonight and not get any sleep. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Another reason not to like Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> he started you're, it all. You're going to be you're gonna be bleary-eyed tomorrow morning. Just remember whose fault it is. You know, otherwise Trump just could have mailed it in. Yeah, exactly right. That's how it should be done anyway, buddy. <laughs> hey, really? You don't like the speech? Oh, no, man. Too much pomp and circumstance. I'm a limited government guy. But. You know what I don't like? I don't like the jack-in-a-box, stand up and clap, sit down. Stand <laughs> yeah, up and clap, sit down. Stand up and a political show. Yeah. You know, and all these old gomers they have in Congress right now, it's going to be killing their knees. <laughs> Why don't right? they just all make an agreement across party lines to sit down? If you want to clap, clap. If you don't, don't. <laughs> it's, uh, it makes the speech an extra, like, hour long. Yeah, yeah. All kinds of Democrats coming out of the woodwork, apoplectic about Trump and his presidency and his State of the Union. Uh, we have we have secured a recording in advance of Trump hater Maxine Waters, who will be giving her response to the State of the Union on the Black Entertainment Television Network tonight. It's a Good Morning Orlando exclusive coming right up. Well, the Trump haters are out in force. 
In and around the President's State of the Union address that comes down the pike tonight, we'll be covering it all here on WFLA. The speech at 9, Yaffe from 6 until 8, then Fox coverage before and after the State of the Union, and the Gator Georgia basketball game moved to 96.9, our sister station doing sports on airtime for that at 625. So a little housekeeping there for you. Uh, we had the People's State of the Union, a town hall in New York City with the Hollywood crowd, Michael Moore and the whole bunch of them going nuts last night. Tonight, the Democrat response officially is going to be from the newest Kennedy on the scene, representative out of Massachusetts, 37-year-old Joe Kennedy. They're going to try to make him a star in the Democrat Party because God knows they don't have any. Now, also, on the Black Entertainment Television Network tonight, Trump-hating Maxine Waters, the California congresswoman, uh, she will be giving her response to the State of the Union. And in a Good Morning Orlando Budman exclusive, we have secured a recording of Maxine Waters' speech. Yaffe, why don't we uh, play the just the intro right now, for starters? Impeach 45! Impeach 45! Yeah, all right, okay. Impeach that, that, 45! That, that's fine. That's fine for openers. Get the crowd riled up. But let's get to the substance and the heart of Maxine Waters' message now, Yaffe. Roll it. Impeach 45! Impeach 45. Wait, wait, wait. What about the wrap-up here? I'm almost out of time. What did she say at the end? Impeach 45. Okay, I think we've heard enough. Thank you very much. (laughs) Very in-depth. Yes, absolutely. That's what we're all about here. Another exclusive. Aren't you glad you hung into the bitter end? That'll do it for this edition of um, Good Morning Orlando. Have a great day. Stay up late with me tonight on the State of the Union. We'll be talking about it tomorrow. From all of us, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.